Kent Online News. News you can trust. This is the Kent Online Podcast. Nicola Everett. Hello, it's Wednesday the 15th of November. Thanks ever so much for downloading today's podcast. We'll have reaction to the Supreme Court's decision on the government's plans to send asylum seekers to Rwanda in just a bit. But first today, this is one of our most read stories on the website. The family of a father of three from Herne Bay who took his own life say he was failed by police after they gave him a train ticket less than 24 hours after he was pulled from the railway line. Well, Kate joins me now with more details on this story and an incredibly tragic case, Kate. Yes, Daniel Little suffered mental health issues and had been arrested after going onto the tracks at Hearn Bay Station. The 39-year-old was held in a cell overnight and was given a travel warrant to get home. Instead of doing that, he took his own life on October the 6th, 2021. Now a jury at an inquest into Mr Little's death has returned a conclusion of suicide by a majority of 9 to 2. But his family aren't happy. No, they issued a statement following the eight-day hearing and said they were disappointed by the coroner's decision not to allow the jury the opportunity to criticise the police for a number of obvious failings. They go on to say these failings included providing a suicidal person with a train ticket less than 24 hours after they tried to take their own life on a train line. And what have police had to say? Well, they've told us they've reviewed their policies in regards to granting travel warrants. The force also referred itself to the Independent Office for Police Conduct, which decided a local review of circumstances was sufficient. Detective Chief Superintendent Sam Price of Kent Police's Criminal Justice Department also said the force notes the conclusion of Mr Little's inquest and I would like to again offer our thoughts and sympathies to his family and friends following their loss. Thank you ever so much. And if you're in need of support, you can call Samaritans on 116123 at any time. That's 116123. Or you can click on samaritans.org. Kent Online News. As promised, we've got reaction next to a ruling by the Supreme Court that the government's Randa policy is unlawful. Just a reminder on what this one is all about. One of the government's key policies is to stop small boats of asylum seekers crossing the channel to Kent. In order to try and do that, they said those who arrived in the country via this route would be deported to the African country and it would be there that their asylum claim would be processed. However, asylum charities and human rights groups have not been happy with this and been taking it through the courts. Today's decision by the country's very top court was unanimous and this is what Lord Reid had to say during his judgment. As I've explained, the legal test which has to be applied in this case is whether there are substantial grounds for believing that asylum seekers sent to Rwanda would be at real risk of reformant. In the light of the evidence which I have summarised, the Court of Appeal concluded that there were such grounds. We are unanimously of the view that they were entitled to reach that conclusion. And we can hear now from Steve Smith, who's the CEO of Dover-based charity Care for Calais. This is a victory for the rule of law. Uh, I can't understand why ever the government thought that this was a process that was ever going to be workable. And we heard the decision was unanimous. Um, does this just highlight how serious the human rights concerns were? Absolutely. The, um, and in fact, I'm surprised that uh, further down the legal chain, that the um, High Court uh, decreed that it actually was lawful and that it wasn't unanimous when it went to the Appeal Court. But yes, anonymous now with the Supreme Court. And for obvious reasons, uh, this business of technical term, reformat, the idea that 
refugees, genuine refugees might be sent back to their country of origin because of a failure in the asylum process. So for example, what does this mean? This means that, for example, troops, Afghan troops that supported our troops in Afghanistan and then had to flee the Taliban uh, and went across maybe the border into Pakistan, eventually found their way to UK, would be shipped back to Rwanda with every chance of them being put back into Afghanistan at the mercy of the Taliban. That's what reformment would mean. And there is no confidence, absolutely no confidence in the Rwandans, Rwandan system to make sure that that didn't happen. Um, as the judge said this morning, there is a lack of independence. There's pressure from the government. There's no effective appeals process. And there are over 100 examples of this reform, this return to the country of origin that happened even while this court, uh, court case over a period of months was going on. Now, the judge, when he was handing down the decision, also alluded to the fact that there could be changes to the policy which could make it permissible, uh, which would allow for it to happen. Are you confident that you can meet any future challenges that the government may throw up? I can't imagine what those those policies would be because uh, it would have to be changes. If we're talking about maintaining the idea of Rwanda as the destination, those changes would have to be fundamental changes within the Rwandan political system, legal system, media system. I mean, the, Rwanda is known for its lack of freedom of the press. It's known for uh, intimidation of opposition to the government. And for goodness sake, they've had the same president for 23 years. How many democratic countries have the same ruler for 23 years? It's a complete and utter nonsense. Um, we're talking about a country where there are 200,000 refugees across the border in the DRC from R Rwanda who are still scared to return to their home country. I think that uh, paints a picture of what it's like there. Uh, how, what policies could you possibly put in place over the next few months to change any of that? On a personal level, I know that you've been working with some of the refugees who have been handed a, a, a Rwanda notice. What is this decision going to mean for them today? It's going to mean the release of a, an enormous amount of stress and anxiety. We're talking about people, many, many of the people that we deal with have been victims of human trafficking, modern day slavery, torture, detention. They've experienced war at the sharp end. They've seen friends and family killed before their very eyes. And then the thought of being in what they thought was going to be a safe country, UK with its, its reputation for compassion, for decency, to find themselves at risk of being transferred to a country where those rules simply don't apply has been absolutely shocking. There have been numerous cries of potential suicide. There have been suicide attempts. It's absolutely harrowing. Um, the, the extent of mental deterioration from stress is quite extraordinary. So it will be a huge relief, but I guess the next step is what happens next and what happens next needs to be let's clear the black backlog let's make sure that people can get their refugee status and get integrated into communities not have to worry about this ridiculous idea of shipping them out to a country that doesn't have the same human rights 
uh, respect that we do in the UK. Rishi Sunak has released a statement. It says we've seen today's judgment and will now consider our next steps. This was not the outcome we wanted, but we have spent the last few months planning for all eventualities and we remain completely committed to stopping the boats. Well, later today, the Prime Minister will be giving a news conference and you'll be able to read analysis on this decision at Kent Online. Meantime, Dover MP Natalie Elphick has posted on X today. She said the Supreme Court's decision on Rwanda means the policy is effectively at an end. No planes will be leaving and we now need to move forward. With winter coming, the timing of this decision couldn't be worse. Be in no doubt this will embolden the people smugglers and put more lives at risk. A fresh policy is now needed, she goes on to say. A new cross-channel agreement with France to stop the boats leaving and return those that do to the safety of the French coast. That should be David Cameron's top foreign policy priority. Kent Online reports. A Gravesend man who beat up another man with a metal bar in an unprovoked attack has been sent to prison. Roy Scott left his victim with several broken bones and was taken to hotel after the assault outside a shop in Strood earlier this year. The 41-year-old who lives in Birch Road was sentenced to nearly two years in jail. A Canterbury man's been sent to prison and his mother given a suspended sentence after they teamed up to carry out a series of stalking offences. 40-year-old Christopher Baker and the 62-year-old Paula Baker from Dover set up a WhatsApp group called Operation Spy Camp so they could stalk a woman together over a seven-week period. The pair even planned to fix a tracking device to her car. A judge described their actions as particularly low and reprehensible. A man stewing court accused of threatening and assaulting Maidstone housing staff. The 55-year-old is said to have abused workers who help people with accommodation needs in the Trinity foyer on Church Street. He's also been charged with seven counts of possessing an offensive weapon. Now, next today, pharmaceutical company Pfizer has been accused of sacrificing hard-working people after announcing plans for 500 job losses in Kent. Staff at the Discovery Park in Sandwich are set to be made redundant as bosses look to save money. Deputy Leader of Dover District Council Jamie Pout has been speaking to Abby Hook from our colleagues at KMTV. So, first of all, um, this has come completely out of the blue. We were totally unaware of this, um, which is which is disappointing, I suppose, um, for the local area. We've, you know, a year and a half ago. Um, the, the, the issues we had at P&O meant hundreds of staff were sacked then. Um, and it seems as though we're going to have a similar issue in the Dover district now with these uh, these poor staff members at Pfizer going to work this morning, completely unaware of what's going on in the background, thinking they're securing their job this close to Christmas. Um, and now they're going to have to go through the ordeal uh, of a 45-day process, potentially not knowing whether they're going to keep their job or not, I think is totally unacceptable. Um, you know, we can't be certain that these people live in the district, but there's a good chance that a good chunk of them will do or they'll live in, in East Kent, certainly. And so, um, you know, this is going to be troubling times for them, um, particularly given the time of year. And you mentioned there it comes off the back of P&O losing 800 staff members. They were axed last year. Really looking at the local area, what are you going to do as the council? How are you going to, to build it back up, make it a desirable place to, to live and work and, and keep it functioning? What will the impact actually look like? 
Well, yeah, it, it, it's 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 disappointing. Um, first of all, like I said, that we we were not made aware of this, um, and so Pfizer were not working with the local area, so that's disappointing. Um, we will work hard as a council to help these people as best we can. Work with other partners like DWP to try and support these staff members. Um, you know, if they are indeed made redundant. Um, you know, yeah, we do take hits like this when there's industries that employ such large numbers of people, which is great when it's going well, but at times like this, it's it's very unfortunate. What we will do as a district council, though, is we will have to keep looking at areas of the district that we can promote and can improve on. Obviously, there's a lot of tourism, um, given this area of Kent and, and the southeast, and so we'll have to keep working on that. Um, we will keep working on our relationship with other employers, um, big employers like the Port of Dover, to make sure that we can work with them, maintain that employment in the area um, so that we don't lose these big employers. But it is set to go to a consultation, so there will be a chance to, to make a decision and step in as the council and stop something you say you had no idea about and you, and you wish to not see happen. So will it be in your hands now? I mean, as far as the district council goes, um, you know, this this is a consultation for for the for the the business um, to make their business case to work with um, unions uh, and other interested parties. Uh, we can make our representations absolutely, um, and I would hope that Pfizer reconsider. They look at look at what they can do to secure the jobs of these staff members. Um, but obviously, we we can do as much as we can, and, and as I said, we will work with partners to make sure that we do the best for those people who live and work in our district. The company say all decisions will be made with transparency, respect and in compliance with the law. Kent Online reports. Police are investigating the death of a man who was pulled from the sea in Ramsgate. Emergency crews were called to the harbour yesterday morning following reports of someone in the water. Officers say they're working to establish the cause of death. Elsewhere, police have launched an investigation after a 34-year-old father of four was found dead at a Kent prison. Inmate Josh Tarrant died on November the 1st after a prison officer found him having a cardiac arrest at HMP in Sheppey. His cause of death is currently being treated as unexplained. A man from Dover has been jailed for 22 years for sexually abusing a child more than 40 years ago. 78-year-old Roger Tester subjected his victim to a campaign of abuse that started in the late 1970s, including rape and indecent assault. The victim reported the crimes to Kent Police in 2019. Footage has emerged of a man racially abusing and threatening a woman at Folkestone Railway Station. Blitz right, lot of you, scumbags, kill all of you, scum, eradicate you. Film that, eh? Film that. A southeastern employee had to step in following the incident that happened on Armistice Day. Police are hunting the man responsible. We've shared a link to the video via our socials. Two teenagers have been arrested after a shop window was smashed during a burglary in Ashford. Vaping products were stolen from the mobile cottage store in the town centre yesterday evening. A 13-year-old boy and 18-year-old man remain in custody. Detectives think a recent spate of burglaries in the Tunbridge area could be linked. They're investigating at least 10 break-ins where thieves have stolen expensive jewellery and gold. Many of the victims are from Asian households. And you can follow us on socials today to see pictures of a former office block in Chatham that's been converted to house families from London. Anchorage House has been given a £9 million makeover and will provide accommodation for 80 families from Newham that might otherwise have been left homeless. Well, charities and councillors in Medway have raised concerns about the added pressure it'll put on local services. 
Kent Online News. Now, Medway Council bosses say they're working hard to balance the books and have reduced their overspend to £12 million. That's £5 million less than expected. They'll still have to make cuts to services, though, to save money by February and meet their budget. But Council leader Vince Maple says they are making progress. We've got our latest report going to Cabinet next week. Uh, we've made good progress, but there's a lot more still to be done. There's still a gap of around £12 million that we'll be looking to resolve before the end of the financial year. We're also looking at next year's budgets and like every council across the country, uh, there are some huge challenges there. That's why we wrote to Jeremy Hunt to say we must see a fair deal for councils like Medway in the autumn statement later this month. Uh, we're making progress this year though and that's important to say so things like uh, membership levels at our sports centres have increased so that's income generation but we've had to take some tough decisions as well. Things like the Christmas lights, we had the brilliant company step forward, but we took that decision because actually it's the right thing to do to balance the book. So uh, we've got more difficult decisions to do, but I'm pleased with the progress we've made to date. So I noticed on the Cabinet um, report for next week, it does mention that non-statutory funding may see cuts or freezes. What sort of, sorts of services may uh, be impacted um, as Medway Council looks, looks to um, tighten its budget? Look, well, we're doing that work at the moment and importantly we've reached out to sector experts, so SIPFA who are focused on local government finance and in particular we're looking, working with both uh, LGA and ADAS to look at specifically adult social care. That's a big financial pressure. We want to do the very best for our vulnerable adults but it is an expensive service. So we're trying to find our best way forward to both deliver the best possible service for our vulnerable adults, but also make sure our books are balanced. So, um, so to clarify that the um, areas we're looking for non-statutory funding are adult services. So adult services is one of the statutory areas we have. Uh, we'll be looking at everything. So we, we've got a budget hole both this year and next year we're working through it. This year we've made progress. We were at 17 million, we're down to 12 million gap in our budget, but there's still more to be done. Of course, part of the challenge is that we have a 91% cut in our revenue support grant since 2010, David Cameron's government. So we're dealing with that. Councils across the country are dealing with that. And we're trying to make sure that we can continue to give the very best services whilst trying to make sure we fill that budget gap. And, and we've had to take difficult decisions already. Regrettably, there'll be more difficult decisions to come, but it's the right thing to do to balance the books here in Medway Council. A row's broken out over plans to sell two buildings in Tunbridge Wells, which have been earmarked for a museum. The Regency Villas on Crescent Road were due to be converted to celebrate 19th century architect Decimus Burton, who was behind the designs for 70 local properties, as well as Wellington Arch and Hyde Park in London. Well, it's thought they could be on the market for around £1.8 million. Council bosses say any organisation is welcome to buy them. A moped owner who had his bike stolen from outside his house in Norfleet says the theft has left him unable to find work. CCTV caught four youngsters stealing the vehicle in Dover Road last Thursday. They were arrested and are out on bail while inquiries continue. But the bike's owner says it's been damaged beyond repair and can't be driven, costing him nearly £100 a day in lost wages. Residents have hit back at plans to turn a golf course in Hythe into a lakeside holiday destination, saying it'll be like a mini centre parks. Hythe Imperial Hotel bosses want to build two and three storey chalets, a play park and boating lake on the land currently used by the golf club. 
critics say plenty of people still use the facility and the development will spoil the tranquility. A second public consultation on the plans will be held next year. One to be aware of for tomorrow, there's a weather warning for heavy rain in Kent. Forecasters say downpours could cause some flooding and travel disruption. The yellow alert lasts from midnight until 6pm. A temporary theatre that's been set up in Dartford has applied for a licence to sell alcohol and show live music. The 1,000-seat venue is being built to replace the orchard, which has been forced to close after potentially dangerous concrete was found in the roof. Orchard West is due to open later this month in time for the Christmas panto season. And it's been revealed Pub in the Park will not be returning to Tunbridge Wells next year. The Food and Music Festival usually takes place at Dunorland Park. Organisers say they're reducing the number of venues. Kent Online Sport. Football and Cray Valley are taking on Charleston Athletic in their FA Cup first round replay tonight. There's a gap of 117 league places between the teams. Well, tonight's game is being shown live on TV and the winner will play Gillingham in the second round. That's all from us for today. Thanks ever so much for listening. Don't forget, you can follow us on Facebook, X, Instagram, TikTok and Threads. Plus, you can get details of all the top stories direct to your email each morning via the briefing. And to sign up to that, you just need to head to kentonline.co.uk. News you can trust. This is the Kent Online Podcast.